A man had two sons. How familiar those words from scripture are to us. So familiar, in fact, that we sometimes tune out this long gospel because we have heard it so many times that we fall into our own interpretation and conclusions and then move on to whatever else is preoccupying our minds. This morning, I'd like to offer you three short meditations on this parable with the help of a masterpiece by a fellow named Rembrandt. My prayer is that we can step into this painting and step into this gospel with fresh eyes and with an open heart. And our psalm today is especially fitting, so I will interweave lines from the psalm that tie in with each short meditation. That is Rembrandt's The Parable of the Prodigal Son. And as a bit of a background to this painting, Rembrandt painted the parable, or actually the return of the prodigal son from a deep place within himself. Actually a place occupied with a lot of heartache. He created this masterpiece two years before he died in 1669. And he painted this after losing his children and his two wives and all his money and possessions. And Rembrandt had become lost in bitterness and resentment. It's a painting of being lost and being found. So let's step into this parable and this painting as we reflect on the elder son. From our psalm this morning, while I held my tongue, my bones withered away because of my groaning all day long. The man standing to the right in the, in the painting is the elder son. He is dressed richly in the fashion of his father. And although he is close by, he seems a distant observer. He looks at his father, but not with joy. He does not reach out, he does not smile, or express any welcome to his younger brother. There's actually a discrepancy between the painting and the parable here. In the parable, the elder son was in the field working for his father when the encounter between the younger son and father took place. Yet Rembrandt placed the elder son as witnessing the embrace of the father and the son. Perhaps he did that to build the tension within that elder son and the separation he felt from his father at that moment. What is going on with this man? What is he thinking and feeling? The elder son had done all the right things. He had been obedient, he'd been dedicated and hardworking. But when confronted with his father's joy at the return of his wayward brother, his anger boils to the surface and he erupts at his father 
cataloging his obedience and years of hard work without ever receiving his father's recognition or praise. And his complaint in ancient times can be found today. I've done this and that. I have sacrificed my life, my happiness, fill in the blank, for you and what thanks do I get? In this painting and in this parable, who really is the lost son? When we are steeped in envy, resentment, self-righteousness or judgment, is there an elder son in us? Do we feel separated at times from God's love? Yet later in the parable we will hear the love of the father for this elder son is as deep and unconditional as his love for the younger son. Remember that the father's love embraces us, warts and all. Another line in Psalm introduces us to the younger son. Happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is put away. Happy are they to whom the Lord imputes no guilt and in whose spirit there is no guile. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. The younger son, longing for freedom, money, and adventure, asked for and received his share of his father's inheritance. Without a word of goodbye, he cut himself off from family and friends and homeland. He went into the Greco-Roman world, as many Jews did, to seek their fortunes in the lands around Palestine. His goal was to find himself, but he ended up losing himself, losing his fortune and his future and he was reduced to working with unclean animals. The parable tells us that he eventually came to himself. He was hungry. He was humiliated. He realized he had made a mistake. He was desperate to survive and so rehearsed what he would say to his father. Can we trust his sincerity? Is he just saying whatever it takes to fill his stomach and save his life? We don't know. What we do know is that he returned home. And before he could get out his words of repentance, his father ran towards him and embraced him and graciously and joyfully welcomed him home. The father was waiting for him to return home. I had an experience of that deep longing of the Father in my office this week. I was asked to see one of our pain patients at Eskenazi. He was a tall, strong man, probably in his early 50s. He was crumpled over in my office, crying his heart out. He could not even compose the words out of his mouth because his tears and his sobbing prevented him. 
when he was able to pull himself together a bit. He told me about his time in prison that kept him away from raising his daughter. And now his daughter was 22, addicted to heroin, and seven months pregnant. And he sobbed, saying, I just want her to return home. I love her so much. And we came to the thought that perhaps she was too embarrassed to come home to her daddy. And so he would go and knock on her door, trying to get her to open the door to him. And she wasn't ready. He knew she was in her home. She would not answer the door. And yet every week, several times a week, he would go and knock on her door. The love that he had for that child was incredible. The depth of pain and suffering that he experienced because he wanted to help her, he wanted to support, he wanted to say the words, I support you, I love you. I will be here for you. Those words in his heart and on his lips were yet unheard by the daughter. And it reminded me of the love of this father who runs toward the wayward son with his arms open, embracing him before the son can fully apologize. That's the love that this man is showing in my office. More than any other story in scripture, this parable expresses the boundlessness and the fidelity of God's love and mercy. Always, God is loving and merciful and there for us. And now our psalm helps us move our eyes to the Father. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Rembrandt reveals a tender and peaceful encounter between a father and his lost son. An all-encompassing embrace as, now, as the now-found son in his raggedness and poverty, nearly shoeless, falls into the chest of his father and is engulfed in love and forgiveness. It is a moment of deep and abiding peace and mercy and acceptance. I love the picture of the son resting his head against the chest of his father. It reminds me of the Last Supper when the beloved disciple rests his head against the chest of Jesus. Celtic spirituality describes that intimate encounter as the moment when the disciple hears the heartbeat of God. Our psalmist prays, mercy embraces those who trust in the Lord. Be glad, you righteous, and rejoice in the Lord, 
Shout for joy, all who are true of heart. If I wrote a line of song to accompany this scene, it would be this. Let your tears fall in gratitude and your lips sing praise as you hear the heartbeat of God in your own life. The generosity and love of the Father extends to both sons as he attempts to comfort the elder brother and then urges him to come to the feast that has been prepared for his sibling. We don't know if the older brother accepted the invitation to the feast. Was he still angry? Was he embarrassed? Would you accept the invitation? Now there is one final subtlety of the painting. And Dutch priest and spiritual writer Henry Nouwen pointed out this subtlety in the return of the prodigal son. Notice the hands of the father as they embrace his son. The hands are not the same. The left hand on his son's shoulder is strong and muscular. The hand seems to hold and steady his son. How different is his right hand? It is refined, soft, and it tenderly touches his son's back. It is a mother's hand. The father both supports and consoles. He is both strong and tender. He is both mother and father to his son. And the father exemplifies the words of Isaiah. I shall never forget you. Look, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I'll close with this thought. The parable we heard today was really not the parable of the prodigal son. Because the definition of prodigal is one who is extravagant. And in the acceptance and overflowing love of the father for both of his sons, this is actually the parable of the prodigal father. The father was wastefully extravagant in his possessions, his forgiveness, and his unconditional love for both sons. And if you made the connection in your head between the father in this parable and God, then the good news is we worship and follow a God who is wonderfully, wastefully extravagant. We worship a God that runs to meet us, to embrace us and celebrate us when we return home. May we also live prodigal lives of wastefully extravagant love and forgiveness, mercy and tenderness. May it be so. Amen.